Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. In the wilderness, we remember this. You bring life where there is none. So today we are going to be looking primarily at Genesis chapter 28. Um, we've been looking at the life of Jacob over the last few weeks. And what we've discovered as we've looked at the life of Jacob is a life lived essentially, totally, and completely in dysfunction. He, he lives in a dysfunctional family. Um, his mother, his father, his brother, they're all seemingly at war with each other. That mom and dad have clearly divided lines up in their house of which kids they like more and who they want to see, and they're perfectly willing to lie and manipulate each other in order to, to, to grow their, their stake in this. That he's got a dysfunctional conscience. He's lying and stealing and manipulating. And friends, this is our hero. This is our main character. This is our protagonist. This is, this is Jacob, the God whom God names himself after. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the world of dysfunction that our, our protagonist, our hero, is living in. But what we're seeing is perhaps not the kind of life that screams pivotal figure in human history and in God's plan to rescue all of humanity. Specifically, where we find ourselves in the story, if, if you haven't been able to join us over the last couple of weeks, if you miss being online or miss being here on person, is, is that Jacob used some pretty underhanded means, to, to put it lightly, to manipulate his brother out of his birthright and to manipulate his father to steal the blessing that should have been on his brother's life. And so, after he does all of this, his brother Esau returns home to discover everything has been taken away from him. And he becomes so very angry that he decides, once dad's dead, I'm going to kill my brother. And so we, we come to Genesis chapter 28, and we see Isaac, Jacob's father, call for Jacob. And, and he has sort of a conversation with his son. He, he gives them some instructions. He gives them sort of a blessing. It reads a lot like a blessing. But, but what, what I mean is, is he says to him first, he tells him essentially, you, you've got to go away. You, you need to go away. You need to get out of here. He says, you need to go. Go and live with your uncle. Go, go live with your uncle far away. And he tells him that you need to find a wife. And he, says, he gives him some boundaries. He says, do not marry a Canaanite woman. But instead he sends him to where some of his extended family live so that he can find a wife there. And then we read that he gives Jacob another blessing. And, and the reason why I say that this is sort of a blessing is because that when we read it, when you look at the language that's used, you can see that it's kind of a conflicted moment for Jacob. Or sorry, for Isaac. It's tinged with what I guess you could almost describe as like wishful thinking for his son. He, he says this. We'll read, we'll read what Jacob says to him at the beginning of chapter 28. He says, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. 
But go at once to Paddan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May God, or may He give you your, and may He give you and your descendants the blessings given to Abraham, so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. So it sounds really positive and sounds like the kind of blessing that anyone would want. But the language that's used here is sort of like language that's a blessing, but it's kind of almost like a, a heart's desire or like a prayer. It's the blessing of Isaac, Isaac. It's the blessing of Isaac, whose father Abraham passed on this blessing to, to Isaac, and now he's passing it on to, to his son Jacob. But it's not a blessing given out of, of love and joy. It's really given out of, of sadness and mourning. It's kind of shared with, with a sense of, I hope you learn how to make something of yourself, kid. It's the blessing of a father who still can't really reconcile that maybe he feels like he's blessing the wrong son. And, and so Jacob leaves to go to his extended family. Now, before we get there, there's just one little note. We're not going to read it, but there's just this interesting note where we just continue to see this incredible level of dysfunction. Because Esau gets word that his dad told Jacob, don't marry a Canaanite woman. And so Esau, in this broken, angry place, he finds himself, just because dad said don't do it, he goes out and he marries a Canaanite woman. Immediately. He goes out and he finds a Canaanite woman to marry and brings her home. Out of anger, despite his parents and his wishes. This family is just so, so broken. But oh, by the way, just, just as a reminder, Esau is not leaving. Jacob is, but Esau is staying home. And, and in, that, in that tradition, like if you didn't leave, you stayed with mom and dad. So Esau goes out, marries this Canaanite woman, woman, and then brings her back home and says, Mom, dad, look what I did. So that should be fun. Th that should make things better around the house. But Jacob, he's got to go. And it's in this moment where we see this picture of God's will and people's actions and the effect that, that we can have on our lives. See, there's a couple of things here that should be true to the heirs of Abraham's promise. From God, the, the people who were the heirs to the promise of Abraham, there's a couple of things that should be true. Abraham had been blessed and had become quite wealthy in his life. And, and that should be passed down to the heir of the promise. That was the birthright of, of the one who would receive the promise. That they would have this wealth, that they would be blessed, that they would live in, in excess because of the pouring out of God's blessing on their lives. And God had promised Abraham that the land where his family was living would be his land. God said, I will give you this land. And from here, I will make you into a great nation. That's why this land was called the promised land. Because it had been promised to Abraham. 
But yet here we have Jacob, the heir to this promise, the heir to the blessings of God. And yet here he is leaving with nothing to go live somewhere else. You see, God's plan was not thwarted. It wasn't lost. It was not defeated. But Jacob's actions still had consequences. And so, in the life of Jacob, we, we, we can understand how this should have progressed. That he should have walked in the blessings of God. He should have lived in the promised land. And he should have grown into this role. But instead, because of the way that things have transpired, his life needs to take a detour. It needed to go away different than what we would think should happen. And I'm really quite sure that for Jacob and for his mom, this is not what they thought would happen. I'm quite sure that the thought process was more along the lines of, if we can do this, all of this, all this wealth, all the blessings, all the promises, all the promised land, it's all going to be yours, son. Yeah. It's all going to be mine. I'm going to have all of it. I'm going to have everything. And this serves as the backdrop for their motivation for all of the lying and the deceiving and the manipulation. But yet here we are. Here's Jacob. He has the birthright. He has the blessing. But at the same time, in his life right now, because of everything he did, He's literally living with none of it. He manipulated his way to get the birthright. He manipulated his way to get the blessing. And now he's got them both. And he's got none of it. And, and one of the things, I've got four things that I think God wants to speak to us today out of this moment in the life of Jacob. And the first one for us today is that this might be true for you in your life today. Your life may look really very different than perhaps what you thought it was going to look like. You may find yourself in a place you never thought you would. In fact, like Jacob, you may find yourself in a place that you thought you did everything to avoid. See, Jacob's fear was that he would have nothing and that somebody else would have everything. And so he did everything he could have to avoid having nothing and yet here he is, with nothing. And, and this may be true for you today, that, that this was not your intent. This was not your desire. This is, this is not where I was planning on ending up in my life. This was not the direction I thought I was going. And yet here you are. Maybe you find yourself in a failing marriage, or with an addiction to things you never imagined. Maybe you're out of work. Maybe you're alone and you're lonely. Maybe you have no direction in life. And maybe some of these things are a result of choices and are the consequences of things that, that we've done or that you've done or in your life that, that you can look and you can say, I understand how I got here. I didn't mean to, but this is the result of doing this. This is the result of being like this. But maybe none of that's true. 
Maybe you look at your life and you say, I did everything to avoid this. This is not what I wanted. I worked, I tried, I did everything in my power, and yet here I am. And if that's you today, I want you to know that God's not defeated by where you find yourself. God's plan and purpose on your life isn't lost because you find yourself somewhere you don't want to be. We're about to find out that this is true for Jacob, but I want you to know that it's true for you today as well. But Jacob has to go. So he goes, and he leaves alone with nothing. We come to verse 10, where it says this, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Ultimately, the trip that he had to take is about 500 miles. When he reached a certain place, it's not really mentioned as a place here in the verse. We're going to go to discover that it kind of was a place, but up until this place, it really wasn't a place, or up until this moment, it really wasn't a place of significance. It says he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. He left with so little that he literally had nothing to put his head down on. And so, for some reason, he decides to put his head on a rock. It's a weird choice, but okay. But but he comes, he's traveling, and it's getting dark, and so he just stops and says, here is as good a place as any, and he lays down, puts his head on a rock, and goes to sleep. Verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring." I am with you and watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob has this incredible moment where he has this dream where he sees these angels going up and down the stairway to heaven, and and then he has this moment where, where it's not just this incredible picture of God at work, but he sees God himself. God shows up and he speaks to him. And he has this affirming dream where God shows up and he makes this promise to to Jacob. It's almost word for word the same promise he makes to his grandfather Abraham. God's plan wasn't defeated. Jacob's dysfunction, his bad choices, his out-and-out lies and deceit, it couldn't and it didn't stop what God was doing. God was still moving forward, even if it meant moving forward with this broken, flawed person. God wasn't finished telling his story, and he would continue to tell his story, even if it has to be told through Jacob. Not in the promised land, not walking with his blessing, not not walking in the birthright, not walking in the way that we all would have seen happen. It has to be told this different way. 
And God says, I am willing to tell you this story in this different way. Jacob was not where he thought he would be. He had the blessing, he had the birthright, he had the promises of all that God said he will do, but he was living in none of it. But here God says to Jacob, I haven't forgotten everything I promised. And he repeats his promise almost word for word. And he reaffirms his commitment to Abraham and to all of humanity. He says, the way things look is not always the way things are. This shift had happened a couple times for Jacob now. He thought he had nothing. That was his fear. He was the second born. He had nothing. So he manipulates his way, and then he thought he had it all. And then he discovers that he has to live with none of it. He thought he had nothing. But then God shows up and says, it's all there. You just can't see it. And today, for you, I think that's something that God wants to speak to some of us today. All the, plus, all the promises and things that God had birthed inside of you for your life and your journey, don't lose hope because you can't see it. It's all still there. God's not defeated. God is not lost. It's all still there. You just might not be able to see it. In your life, you may be living with none of it. But God says to you today, it's still there. I'm still committed to you. You haven't lost me. You haven't lost my blessing. You haven't lost my purpose. You haven't lost your identity as a son or a daughter of God. It's all still there. I cannot be defeated. And in this moment where Jacob is at his lowest point, he's literally at the rock bottom of his life, his, bed, or his, his pillow is a rock, he discovers God in that moment, and God says to him, I am still for you. And that's what God wants us to know today. That whatever our life story is telling, whatever is happening in our lives, God is still for us. And then... Jacob has two responses to this dream that draw out two things for us today. First, in, in verse 16, it says this. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he, shot, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God this is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took up the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar. And he poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, which means house of God, though the city used to be called Luz. So, so there was a place there, but it's really inconsequential to the story. Jacob has this moment. As Jacob is on the run for his life, Seemingly having lost everything he had compromised so much to try and gain, sleeping alone in the wilderness with a rock for a pillow, he finds God. Jacob had not sought this place out. He wasn't looking for God. He, he didn't camp out there because it was someplace significant. We read that. He says he comes to a certain place and he decided to stop for the night because, well, it was night. 
So he stopped there to, to sleep. Kicked out of his home. Told by his father to leave. Because his brother wanted him dead. Scripture doesn't say that he cried himself to sleep. But if he didn't, I would imagine it must have been close. Feeling of alone and abandonment that, that somehow everything had come crashing down. And somehow, someway, in this moment, he's being crushed by the weight of the consequences for everything that he has done. And in this moment where he's experiencing all of that, God meets him there. God was in this place. And Jacob, in a dream, comes face to face with God. And God doesn't kill him. God doesn't punish him. He affirms him. And he commits himself to Jacob. At his lowest moment, God shows up and says, Here I am with you. Of course, for us, this is a powerful picture for us in our worst, most challenging moments. Even the moments that we've brought on ourselves, the moments where we can think that God should want nothing to do with us, God is right there in the middle of our very worst night saying to us, saying to you right now, I am still with you, I am still for you, I still love you, and I still value you. Now this is usually about where we stop looking at this story. But Jacob has one more thing to say about this moment. And I think that it shows us something profound about us and our hearts when it comes to God and continually his grace in our lives. If we look at verse 20, it says this. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on the journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up, with, with, uh, set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And so I want to close out our time today by talking about tithing. Just kidding. That's not what we're going to talk about. Here we see Jacob makes a vow to the Lord. But it's an interesting vow. Because notice what he does say. Or perhaps notice what he doesn't say. He does not have a God I give you my life moment. He does not have a moment where he says, from this point on, God, it's me and you. He does not have a moment where you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There isn't a line in the sand. He has just had God show up in his lowest moment, affirm him and the promises and the blessings that God had made on his life, on his family to Jacob. It's an amazing, powerful, life-altering moment. Sort of. See, Jacob doesn't commit himself over to God. His vow begins 
with an extremely powerful and poignant word. If. If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey and I'm taking and he'll give me food to eat and clothes to wear and make sure that I get back to my dad's house. If God does all of that, then the Lord will be my guide. God says, Jacob, I am with you 100%. Don't fear. Don't worry. I am with you. And Jacob does not reciprocate. In fact, he pretty much looks to God and says, okay, God, prove it. If you will make sure that my journey goes well, and God, if you look after me and I make it back home, then I'll be all in with you. But until then, let's just wait and see. Kind of a bummer. But also, kind of real. I mean, we all like to believe that we wouldn't be like this. We all like to believe that if we had a dream like Jacob had, where God spoke the things that Jacob spoke, that in that moment our life would be defined and we would choose to follow God. God shows up to me in a dream like that. I'm no dummy. I'm in. But for good or for bad, this is much more of a moment of what our faith often looks like. God, I'm in as long as this is more real of a moment than maybe we're comfortable with. But what I think God wants to show us out of this is not the fragility of human faith. But I believe what God wants to show us in this moment as Jacob makes this conditional vow to God is that God wants us to see his faithfulness in the face of the fragility of human faith. I mean, let's, let's stop for a moment. Imagine for a moment that you're God. You have Jacob, this functional dishonest, unworthy, sinful, broken guy. He's fleeing for his life from his own family for good reason. He's not a martyr. He's not a victim. He has cheated and swindled. And you, God, show up in all your glory and majesty and holiness and everything that you are, and you show up to this broken man, and you say, don't worry, my child. I am still with you. You don't have to worry. And then this guy has the nerve to say to you, well, look, if you do all of this for me, then we'll talk. But what I think God wants to show us here is that God isn't afraid of our fear. God isn't afraid of our worries. God isn't afraid of our doubts. God isn't afraid of our fragile human faith. And God isn't, he's not put off by Jacob's almost lukewarm response to God reaching out to Jacob. 
Jacob doesn't fall to his knees and say, all of me for all of you, everything I am for your kingdom. God, whatever you want from me, I'm all yours. He has this incredible moment with God. He says, this is amazing. This is the gates of heaven. I have seen the face of God. But he still knows what he's facing. He still knows where he is. His neck still hurts from that rock pillow. And with perhaps an uncomfortable level of honesty says, God, if you get me through this, see me through to the other side of this part of my story, then I'll follow you. Then I'll live for you. Then I'll give myself over to you. And for us today, for you today, if, if where you find yourself today has left you with doubt or fear or worry, God wants you to know that he's not afraid of that. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't look down on you or judge you unworthy because where we find ourselves has made us feel these things. He doesn't condemn you or judge you if you're angry. He doesn't condemn you and judge you if you're unsure, if you're fearful, if you worry, if you doubt, if you doubt him and his goodness, if you doubt him and his faithfulness, if you doubt God. He doesn't condemn you and he doesn't judge you. He makes the same promise to you today that he makes to Jacob. God meets Jacob in the middle of this swirl of all of these emotions and God isn't driven away by it. And God's promise to you is that he will do the same for you. What we see in this moment is a picture of a God who deals in real people, in real moments, in real emotions. He doesn't expect us to be anything other than the human beings that we are. And somehow in the midst of all of this broken mess that we call the human life, he meets us here, he loves us, he's committed to us, and he will walk us through to the other side of our mess. I want to close our sermon today with a verse from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31, chapter 6. And it says this, or chapter 31, verse 6. There we go. It says this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Whatever your them is, if it's people, if it's fear, if it's doubt, if it's worry, if it's your situation, if it's who the president is, if it's who the president isn't, what you have lost, what you have had to give up, what you thought God was going to do in your life and he never did, what, what you discovered that you had been camping on and believing in that only turned out to not be the way that you thought it was, your pain, your grief, your mourning, your sadness, your difficulty, your fear, your worry... Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. All we could see was darkness. Our hearts were formless and void. 
Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at CSAirdrie and on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on our campus pastor. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go. Oh,